Good afternoon, everybody on Educated Economist here. Thought I'd talk a little bit about the housing market. Everybody was anticipating that there was going to be this housing market crash. At least that's kind of what the the common narrative was out there, that once the interest rates go up, that people would not be able to afford the prices of the mortgages on the homes at the level that they were at, and the house prices would have to come down to meet the capabilities of the buyers. This was it was pretty logical to think and this is really pretty common narrative when you th when you listen to the mainstream media when you listen to the economist out there when you talk to your friends and family everybody kind of had the same same idea but that's not what took place now granted the mortgage rates did go up but they didn't go up in lockstep with the fed funds now everybody was anticipating as the fed raises rates the mortgage rates are going to go up with them but they didn't the fed started to raise rates and the mortgage rates shot up but then they went flat for the most part. I mean, they, they vary up and down a little bit, but for the most part, they've gone flat, you know, high six, low 7% mortgages. And then with the buybacks that a lot of people are doing or the buy down, sorry, with the buy downs that a lot of people are doing, these mortgages are more of like four or 5%, not the six or seven, like you see, you know, as far as the stats go. So really the capabilities of the buyers are still there. But it's not even really the mortgages that are affordable that keeps the buyers there. A lot of these homes are being sold to all cash buyers. Still, even today, at the prices that they are, considering the economic conditions, there are still people out there who are willing to go all in with cash on their purchase of their real estate. And this is something that not a lot of people, I think, were considering as far as what the housing market was going to do once the interest rates go up. I mean, you have to think about it. If you're an all cash buyer, you can care less where interest rates are. You really can't. It doesn't really, it does not matter at all, period. I mean, it might matter a little bit for the idea of whether or not you're going to get a good deal thinking that if the higher interest rates are going to bring the housing market down, well, that's, you know, a reasonable idea. But there's proof out there right now that people are not willing to wait and that they are going to give up their cash to buy those homes now. And it's to the tune of like 25%. So that really got me thinking about like what it is that people are feeling out here in the economy because everybody's saying that cash is trash. I mean, everybody says it. No point being in cash. Cash is worthless. Don't be in cash. Get out of cash. But yet, you see right now that the people with the cash are the ones who are buying real estate. Maybe they're getting out of cash, right? They don't want their cash anymore, so they're moving into real estate. But that's not really something that you hear a lot of people saying was going to be the strategy, right? I mean, people said the strategy was that there was going to be a housing market crash and that everybody was going to be able to pour in when the, when the prices came down. But that's not occurring. And see, when people are getting out of cash and they don't have the ability to take advantage of a, a price drop or a really good deal, if you're out of cash, you have no cash to work with, well, then what do you do? Well, take a look at what the millionaires are doing. They're sitting on cash. They're hoarding cash right now. Why? Because they're looking for that buying opportunity that's coming into the future. Yeah, you push out the mainstream media out there. Hey, cash is trash. Get out of trash. Because... Well, you know, the smart money wants to be able to take advantage of that position. And if everybody was sitting in that same position, well, then they wouldn't have it for themselves. Think about that for just a second. The mainstream media pushes out their information that they want you to know. 
right? They want you to know this information or else they wouldn't be talking about it. I mean, think about it. A really big, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today and I'm like one of the few people on YouTube who actually was talking about this when it occurred. There's something called FASB 56, F-A-S-A-B, F-A-S-B 56. Um, I'll leave a link down in the description to the video that I had done on this years ago. And now what they had done is they made a law that says that, hey, we cannot show the people the real numbers. So what we're going to do is we're going to show them fake numbers that are good enough to the real numbers that you can still do your investments and your retirements and all that other stuff. But they're not the real numbers because we have to keep those secret for national security reasons. But that's okay. All the numbers that you see are, are good enough. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Continue on. And that's what happened. And so now all the numbers that we look at are literally 100% made up. It is a complete front, all the numbers. Just take a look at that, that video that I did. And this isn't like conspiracy theory. This is the government coming out and saying this is what they are doing, right? So now when we think about like all the information that we get, especially when it comes to inflation numbers, to the gross domestic product, to the taxes, to the debt, to the, all the other stuff, these are all numbers that are being coerced, right? They're, they're for us to understand and look at and view and believe. So it is manipulation within it, okay? Now, I'm not trying to say like, hey, just wad it all up and throw it all away. That's not where I'm getting at here. But what I am getting at is that the information that we get on the mainstream media, especially when they're saying cash is trash or de-dollarization, all this other stuff, they're trying to get the narrative out there for people to believe it in a certain way so that they will react or act in a way that is going to work for them, not us, them. And by telling people, get out of cash, you don't need cash, cash is trash, everybody's going to be dumping the dollar around the world, you better get into anything other than cash. Well, the rich are getting into cash. And you can see it right now because they're buying real estate. 25% of it's going to cash buyers. Millionaires are sitting in cash hoards. This is, this is what you have to think about. You know, when it comes to like the industry of the United States, 
because see, this is the this is the major problem that we have here in the United States is that we're not a manufacturer anymore. So in order to have any kind of like business, we have to sell stuff to each other. We have we're a we're we're a consuming nation, right? So we buy cheap stuff from China and then we sell it to each other, and this is how we make money. But there is manufacturing that happens here in the United States, and if you think about it, home construction is probably the biggest manufacturing thing that we could do here in the United States. It's it's a domestic product. It stays low, you know, stays in within the nation. For the most part, all the parts and components are made by, you know, within the United States. The labor comes from the United States. Everything usually, for the most part, stays here or comes from and stays here in the United States when it comes to home construction. And then all the jobs that come from that. When you're building a house, you got all the laborers and then all the contractors, all the material, the deliveries, the subcontracts, everything that goes into all this construction of this house then provides the ability for people to spend that money within communities. And so now those communities can then thrive off of a construction operation that has taken place within their community, especially if you have a lot of new homes starting up or something. So this is a way that, you know, you think about it when you get new construction going, it is like the manufacturing, the way to get manufacturing back into the United States. And so if you follow lumber and follow lumber closely, you can see like the preliminary indicators of when that housing market is going to start p picking up again and start, you know, ramping up production and bringing that that production, that manufacturing here in the United States that so many people need for their jobs, right? Now, when you think about lumber, I I have a, a email that I get once a week that kind of gives me a little bit of an idea of what's happening throughout the different parts of the nation. It is very telling, especially when you listen to some of the stuff about the OSB and the plywood. But some of the other indicators that I personally use, since I work at a lumber yard, I do retail sales for a living. One of the things that I do is I order the pressure treated lumber for the yard. And I call my vendor and I talk to him twice a week when I do my orders. And the same thing, I always ask him, how's the plate stock? How are you moving plate stock? Is that, is it, are you moving a lot? Are you moving a little? What's going on with it? Because if you're not familiar with plate stock, plate stock is the two by, well, generally it's a two by six, sometimes it's three by six or three by eight or something, but generally it's a treated piece of lumber that goes down on top of the foundation before you start framing. It's a pressure treated lumber that gives you like some protection from rot between the concrete and the actual framing. So this mud seal, pressure treated seal or seal plate, it's a great, great indicator of when new construction is about ready to start, right? Because this is what you need before you can start framing. And as I'm talking to him, it's been very slow for the last six months. It's been like incredibly slow. It's like, man, not much, not going on. We're not really sending a whole lot of trucks out. Over the last few weeks, it has been busy. In fact, it's so busy that when I went to go place my stock order, he told me I couldn't do it because he didn't have enough room on the truck. So I had to postpone my entire stock order, miss out on all this stuff that I needed for the weekend so that I can get my stock in on Tuesday. This is like a showing that the demand is definitely picked up. Now, it's the pressure treated lumber that we're talking about. And when you think about pressure treated lumber in the beginning of summer, people are building decks and fences and gazebos and they're wanting to enjoy this stuff for the summer. So this is the time that you would see exterior projects like the outdoor projects really start to ramp up and kick in. So it's not a surprise to see the pickup in pressure treated lumber. Now, when I asked him about that plate stock, he says it has picked up some, but not a lot, right? So the new construction market hasn't popped yet. 
But the preliminary projects, those ones where people are saying, hey, I want to get the new deck, the new fence and stuff like that. These are the quick and easy projects. You think about it. If you build a house or you want to build a house, you make the decision for it. You're lucky if you're going to start that thing in six months. Now, I know a guy who builds houses all in cash. And once he wants to build a house, he starts right now. Like as soon as he gets the permit, he's going. Now, other people have to get loans and do all kinds of stuff. But when you want to build a deck or a fence or something like that, generally, you're not waiting for a loan from a bank or something. You know, you have the cash to do it. And so now these projects are really ramping up, which leads me to believe that the demand for lumber is kicking in. Now, how much, how far anybody can, you know, it's, it's going to time will tell, right? Time will tell on that one. Now, what I found reading the lumber um the email that I get. Now, this is pretty good because OSB is a great indicator. Now, if you're not familiar with OSB, OSB is the type of plywood. It's a sheathing. So when you build a house, you got the skeleton of the house. That's like all the two by fours, the two by sixes. And then you got the skin that goes on the outside. That's called the sheathing. And now the sheathing a lot of times is OSB. It stands for oriented strand board. It's a cheaper version of plywood. Plywood is a bunch of laminates that have been glued together. OSB is a bunch of chips, like a little pieces of wood that have been glued together to make the four by eight sheet and to be used as sheathing. So these two different components, they're used exactly, pretty much exactly the same way, but OSB is a lot cheaper than, than the plywood is. However, OSB is very sensitive to like the Pacific Northwest where we have a lot of rain. So OSB doesn't hold up nearly as well in those kind of environments like plywood does. So plywood ends up being a lot more popular of a product up here in the Pacific Northwest. But anyway, OSB availability remains, remains tight. And now this is something to think about because it says most mills have moved their order files into early July. That means you place an order today. That means you won't get it until the first week of July, which typically like when you have normal times, then you place an order, you know, generally it's like right away to maybe two weeks, right? That would be like a normal thing to happen. To go out to a month means that there is definitely demand picking up and not enough material within the system. Uh, activity remains steady, but level of urgency varied between regions, so depending on where you're at. And right now, we seem to find that the eastern part of the nation is definitely building a lot more than the western side is. Um, moving on to fir, oh, here, I got my glasses, let's make this, okay. Fir plywood showed early signs of life with a few producers claiming they had a busy Monday. However, by Wednesday, it had slowed back down to normal hand-to-mouth feeding. So fir plywood, although it did show some excitement, um, it didn't really like, you know, find that, find that momentum. And again, he was saying it just kind of fell back to normal. Uh, the southern yellow pine plywood. There has been a slowdown in inquiries this week with good takeaways from those who have come in. Pricing from the, from the mills remained steady, even though there was a slight decrease in random lengths. So it sounds to me like both the fir plywood and the pine plywood, and this is the first time I'm reading this too, guys. Um, actually, I... I did brief it a little bit, but I didn't really go into much of it. Um, so, and then moving on, let's see here. No extensions leave time. So really with the, not that much demand for the fir and the southern yellow pine plywood, there is definitely demand for OSB, which makes a lot of sense because it's the cheaper product that you would want to use first. But as that starts to move out, in in distance as far as the availability of it you're going to start seeing the fur in the southern yellow pine plywood move up in price so again this is like if it was me i wouldn't be hesitating on on buying lumber like now is the time to do it uh moving on to lumber here western spf a slow start to the week turned quickly 
turned quickly by midweek as more fires exploded across the eastern province of Canada. All right, so now this is where we're first starting to see how these wildfires are starting to impact the, the lumber market. As people are starting to anticipate that it's going to have an impact on the market, they start buying in. Now, granted, like all the mills and all the material and everything that they got going on, the fires don't mess with that right away. That takes time before that those fires create the input problems going to the mills, mainly due to either lack of availability or on the other side of it, when they start going into salvage mode and they start taking more of those trees to mill it up. But as is at, at the initial like start of these fires and in the impact from that, unless those fires are actually impacting the mill and shutting them down, the mills can still operate from what they had already like in the hopper, so to speak. Um, give it some time though, and then eventually there'll be, you know, the logs will stop coming in and then they'll have issues. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, Eastern SPF, wildfires in, in Quebec brought in buyers concerned over supply, just like what we were just saying. And then the southern yellow pine market stayed consistent this week after two by four market flattened out last week. We saw laxadaisal buying which brought the pricing down so or the southern yellow pine doesn't seem to have a much of demand to it yet um moving on to the western species job site activity continues to ratchet up as buyers see coverage however in terms of buyers inventory a conservative approach continues to be the preferred strategy on the dimension side and now that's also something that i have been very concerned about over the last you know three four months or so is that there has been a lot of mill curtailments and inventory depletion and that's a lot of what they're like nobody really wants to jump in and load up on inventory right because if you load up on a bunch of inventory and then you can't sell it what do you do right so especially if the prices fall then you're stuck on expensive inventory although the prices are down right now i don't really see how prices could go you know could go down much from here i mean sure they can they're at 500 per thousand which by the way they've also adjusted the way that cnbc is going to be pricing out the lumber futures they are now moved it to the chicago mercantile exchange um delivery to chicago at the new contracts so now you can go to cnbc and check out the uh, lumber futures just understand that those lumber futures now incorporate the traveling cost to go from the pacific northwest to chicago um but you can actually see those prices and track them now on, on CNBC again. So, um, but that's one of the concerns that I was having is that there was such an inventory depletion taking place and with all the mill curtailments and not people being very excited about loading up on inventory, if there was ever a pop to the home builder sentiment in demand, like we already got the home builder sentiment about ready to turn positive on everything except for buyer's traffic. When that starts to ramp into housing starts and, well, not necessarily permit issuance because you can issue a permit. It doesn't necessarily mean you start it. When the housing starts start to kick in, like when that really starts to ramp up, you're going to find the demand for lumber is really going to kick in and there's not a lot in the system right now. So that would lead me to believe that you would see a price spike in lumber at some point in the future when that happens. However, with the high interest rates coming from the Federal Reserve and the promising to keep them elevated and then the just the overall sentiment about the housing market itself that there's going to be some sort of crash coming in the future with prices, I just don't know where that 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 pop is going to be. You know what I mean? Like, what is it that's going to take that causes the builders to go out there and say, okay, man, I'm going to ramp up production again. And we start seeing those, you know, the activities start to happen. But how far out that is, I don't know. All right. Uneducated economist. Do you guys let me know?